Welcome to the Self Storage University Podcast, where you will learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self storage facilities. And now, here is your host, a partner in one of the largest real estate portfolios in the U.S. with nearly $1 billion of holdings, Frank Rolfe. Webster's defines to persuade as to cause someone to do something through reasoning or argument. This is Frank Rolfe with the self George University podcast. We're going to talk about persuasion how it works, and how to use it to get that self-storage facility at the price you want to buy it at. So there are basically two types of persuasion used in the self-storage industry. The first type is called direct persuasion. Now, in direct persuasion, you confront the issue head on. You tell the seller, here's what I want, and here's why it's good for the both of us. So you might say, I want to buy this self-storage property for a million dollars because, number one, I will be the perfect steward of it. I will take it to the next level. I will keep all your existing customers extremely happy. You'll be very happy with me. Number two, I'm the most logical buyer for it because I really want to own something in this area. It's an area I'm very focused on. And number three, a million dollars is a very, very fair price. Because this self-storage facility only generates about $80,000 a year of net income. And an eight cap, that's about a million dollars. And so that is a fair price for me as the buyer and you as the seller. And also, don't forget, you have no debt on this property. You build it for next to nothing. So it's a huge payday for you, too. That's a direct persuasion. You just tell them, here, here it is. Here's how it goes. And I want to go ahead and get this thing bought. But yet there's another kind of persuasion out there called indirect persuasion. So it's also called an O. Henry persuasion. Now, O. Henry was an author back in the 19th century. He wrote a large number of books. And in those books, it always had the same thing. You had someone who basically thought a certain way. And at the end of the book, he learns that they were wrong the entire time. You have someone who says, I don't like hard work. Hard work is for chumps. I'm going to live a life of crime. And at the end of the book, they would say, oh, my gosh, you know, I screwed up all along. Crime isn't where it's at. I should have been doing things legitimately. So how do you have indirect persuasion with a self-storage facility? Well, what you do is you tell the, the seller, look, I'd like to pay more for your property. But, you know, just like you, I have to get a loan because all real estate is based on the concept of lending. And the lenders, you know how they are. They don't want to feel spooked that they can't get their money back. If I default and they sell it at auction, they want to become out whole. And as a result, I've talked to a number of these banks, and they tell me they can't finance more than a million dollars on this property. And on top of that, I've talked to some appraisers, and banks have done recent appraisals on a property just like this, with the same amount of net income recently, again, only appraised out at about a million dollars. So as a result, even though I'd be like to pay more if I could, I can't. I can only pay you a million dollars for it. So the indirect persuasion, as you can see, I'm using somebody else as the scapegoat. I'm trying to get some commonality with the seller and say, hey, I'm just like you. I want to get the most I humanly can for the property. But unfortunately, I'm not the decision maker. 
It's the bank. It's the appraiser. Now, when should you use direct persuasion versus indirect? Well, most people use direct persuasion because it seems easier, more logical to use. But indirect persuasion is much better when you face the hostile owner, the owner who does not agree with where you're going, the owner that wants way more money for their property than what you're offering. Because you're trying to establish common ground and you're trying to explain to them why this is all you can do, but you're trying to pass the, the blame onto someone else so they don't get mad at you. It's kind of like good cop, bad cop, right? You want to be the good cop, but you want to blame and get all the things you want to get by claiming that the bad cop is making you do it. So if you're looking at a self-storage facility and the amount that the person wants is far, far in excess of what you're wanting to pay, then you probably want to pop into the indirect persuasion mode where you can bond with them and explain to them how you're kind of a victim of the system and that's all you can do. But if you think there's a chance they might go with the price you're going to propose, then direct persuasion may be the better course. Now, in both direct persuasion and indirect persuasion, of course, you also have to remember all the rules of negotiating, which is typically one party has to throw out an initial price. Then there is the, the, what's called the flinch, where you pretend that, oh, no, that's, that's way more than I can pay. And then you have the rebuttal, you know, the retort of the price that you want to do. And then you tend to try and settle somewhere in the middle. So it's not to say that direct and indirect persuasion eliminates the ability to barter, that it, it saves you from that step. No, it doesn't do that. But what it does do, it helps preface your offer or how it is presented. Because the whole key to the offer is it's of no value unless you can get a counter. So if I want to buy your property for $2 million and you want $3 million, and I throw out a price of a million eight and they refuse to counter, I've accomplished nothing. If I can throw out two million and get them to ultimately agree to that number, then I've accomplished something. So the whole point of negotiation is to throw out the price. And the persuasion aspect of that is simply in the upfront presentation, how you present that price. Some people are extremely firm on what they want for their storage facility, and others are much more rational and reasonable. And you see that all the time, right, in life. You see people that are just fixated on things and they won't listen. They won't change their mind. They're incredibly stubborn. And other people that are more educated about it. They're more reflective. They more listen to you and then make decisions based on the information you present. So you've got to look through the sellers and try to figure out what, what stack do they go in? Is the seller one that I can just tell it like it is and see if I can get a deal cut? Or is it one that in more I have to tell a tale of why I can't do this or can't do that, but I don't want all their wrath to come back on me? Once you've identified which kind of seller you have, you think through the pricing strategy and what you're trying to accomplish. Then and there you can decide if you, in indirect or direct persuasion is your better bet. Direct persuasion often comes off stronger, more genuine, but indirect persuasion also has its own accomplishments based on the environment in which you're making the offer. Remember, the key to all in everything is to get that property under contract at the price that you can afford to pay. And whatever means get you to that end is all acceptable. And sometimes you'll know what to do instinctively when you talk to the seller. 
just based on your background of other negotiations you've made throughout your entire life. All of that will come into play and you'll say, aha, I think I know what to do in the case of this seller to go ahead and get that deal cut. This is Frank Roth, the Self-Storage University podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Self-Storage University podcast. Be sure to visit us at ssupodcast.com where you can learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self-storage facilities.